0: Welcome to Periods, Poos and Pimples. My name is Jacinta and I'm the founder and nutritionist of Avenda Women's Health, an online clinic specializing in all things skin, gut and reproductive health. This podcast is for all women who have ever had some level of confusion in regards to their health, whether you're battling with a skin condition, menstrual cycle disorder, fertility issues, or gut issues, and you just want to understand what is going on and what you need to do from people who know what they're talking about. In each episode, I'll be speaking with experts in the realm of women's health to give you the highest level of education that you'll need to develop a deeper connection with yourself and your body. Although this information will be super insightful this information is not for diagnostic or treatment purposes and please ensure you speak with your medical professional before implementing any treatment protocols. Please do keep in mind as we may refer to research or specific pathophysiology of conditions when we're referencing male or female it is specific to the gender that's assigned at birth and pronouns used are specific to the individual discussed. Thank you so much for tuning in and I look forward to you joining us on this journey. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of our acne series. If you didn't tune into the first episode, I recommend to go back, have a listen so you can try to figure out the five reasons you're possibly not getting lasting results with your acne. And if you're a skin therapist, this is going to help to give you a little bit of a checklist so you can really navigate around where your clients need to direct their energy and attention into so they can get lasting results with their skin. Now, this particular episode is going to be all about acne and testing. And I absolutely love talking about testing. If there's anything that you learned in the first episode series for this acne series, is that to actually get to the root cause of your skin condition, you need to figure out what's going on by process of elimination. The reason I'm so excited to talk about this is because this is what we base so much of our treatment plans on. I'll give you a prime example. I actually just got off a call with a client this morning that did some testing to try to figure out exactly what was going on with her hormones. Her skin always flares up when she's not on the pill, but most recently she went on the Marina and still has had problems with her skin. Now she got some testing done because you can test some hormones whilst you're on the marina to see exactly what's going on. And her androgens were actually low. So her testosterone was almost below the reference range. Yet the prescription that she was given was spironolactone and spironolactone decreases your androgens. So it actually shows that the testing can then determine what treatments are actually going to be most effective. And it also shows us that we're not going to go down this route of trying to address this androgen excess that's always spoken about with acne because actually for this client it's not an issue. So then we can determine exactly where she needs to direct her energy and her attention into and also just really refines her understanding of exactly what is going on with her skin. So if you ruled out the hormones, then you know, you've got to really focus on the diet, really focus on the gut, optimize your immune system and support the lymphatics and just about everything else. Anyway, a little bit off topic, but we know one of the key areas that really impacts a lot of people with acne is the fact that they've already tried so many different treatments before and not getting lasting results. And it also means that you're investing a lot of money into areas with almost a dead end because you're not kind of being able to actually know exactly what you're trying to treat. One of the most common things that we always hear in our clinic is that I've had everything tested. There's nothing wrong. And this is because the level of interpretation falls only between the very, very wide reference range that are actually set from the labs. So basically, I'm sure you've had a blood test before and when you get your test results back, you'll often find that the reference range that's set could be anywhere between the smallest digit to the largest digit. So let's say, for example, when we're looking at thyroid hormone function. When you're getting a particular marker for your thyroid tested, it's called TSH, which is called thyroid stimulating hormone. Now, according to the reference ranges for most of the labs, this range can sit anywhere between about 0.4 to 6. But there's many researchers who are actually calling for that upper limit to be decreased to about 2.3 to 3. And the reason being is that a lot of people that have thyroid dysfunction or an underactive thyroid have a TSH that sits at about 2.5. So if you're kind of comparing their test results to the conventional reference range, you're barely ever going to actually really screen the thyroid function to the extent that you could because you're waiting for that thyroid to become severely out of the reference range before you warrant any further investigation. Now, the same group of people that have been studied to actually obtain the original reference range actually contained a significant amount of people that had a thyroid disease. So why are we comparing our test results to a population of people that have thyroid dysfunction in the case of getting your thyroid screened? So we not only need to think about Are the right panels being tested when they're being authorized, but are the results actually being investigated and interpreted through the lens of which we need to view them? By that, I mean, when I get a test result that comes back, I'm not going by the conventional reference ranges that are set from the labs. I'm really focusing on an optimal reference range because we're looking at determining the function of an individual's hormonal status. So let's jump into what panels you actually need to run to find out the cause of your acne. So the first thing that we always want to screen for is just the baseline testing. You can actually get so much information just from screening your liver function panel, your electrolyte panel, and looking at your baseline nutritional status, like your B12, your folate, your vitamin D, your zinc, and so on. Now, first in terms of liver function, this is actually really crucial because if we think about hormone-related acne, the reason that the hormones are often an issue is because there's something going on with liver detoxification. Now, for this to actually come up on a blood test, you really, really need to look through quite a strict lens because it's not often that you would see the liver enzymes extremely elevated. So they're not generally picked up unless you're kind of looking at it in relation to what's going on with your hormones as well. There's a particular marker that we always look for in the liver function panel, which is called bilirubin. Basically, bilirubin is like a yellow end product of red blood cells. And often it can accumulate when the liver can't keep up with clearance of the glucuronidation pathway in the liver. Essentially, this is the exact same pathway that breaks down our steroid hormones and our estrogen and inflammatory metabolites, and it really helps to metabolize our thyroid hormones as well. When we're then looking at blood tests, we want to make sure we're looking at the levels of bilirubin because that can help to determine if there's anything going on with estrogen clearance and so on. Often if we see this elevated, we would then potentially think about if there's a Gilbert syndrome type picture that can be impacting acne. And it's the same picture that can really impact your fat metabolism. So we're thinking about vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, vitamin K, essential fatty acids, and all of these are absolutely essential for the skin. So you can pick up so much just from this one individual marker in a liver function panel. Other information that you can pick up from your general biochemistries is even just looking at your electrolyte status. Essentially, this can give us an indication of the electrical charge of a cell and the electrical charge of a cell is so crucial to optimize your nutrient absorption. To actually get nutrients in the cell, you need to have the right conductivity to be able to support absorption. This information can be found when you're doing an electrolyte panel. Essentially, you want to make sure that your bicarbonate is no less than 26 because this can essentially show that there is a little bit more of that acidic state and that can impact the conductivity of the cell and that can impact your nutrient absorption. So there's a lot that you can see just from general biochemistries. And this is where we're thinking about optimizing function of the body. The other things that we then need to consider with your nutritional status, even just your active B12 and your folate can give us an indication of your skin cell turnover, but these nutrients are so essential for liver detoxification. It's important for hormone regulation. If we're thinking about this sluggish skin cell turnover, these are the absolute essentials. The other thing we then need to think about is B12 and folate are very important for methylation, which is required for DNA replication. When we think about the development of new skin cells, we're thinking about those stem cells because the stem cells are what actually create that coding for the rest of the cells in the skin to be produced. And if DNA isn't being replicated effectively because of a B12 or folate deficiency, then this is most definitely gonna impact the health and function of those new cells that are coming to the surface in a handful of weeks' time. The next thing that we then think about is your iron studies. So we need a comprehensive panel of your iron studies, not just your ferritin, because we wanna actually see how much is getting delivered to the tissue. Iron is so important when we're thinking about the skin because iron actually activates all the enzymes in the liver, your CYP enzymes that are responsible for detoxifying your hormones. So if you're deficient in iron, you're going to be impacting the function of those CYP enzymes. You're going to be impacting the function of the liver. You're going to be impacting the function of your hormones. And then that can influence your breakouts. But iron is also absolutely vital for collagen synthesis. So, For all of those that are going through skin needling, you want to make sure your iron is absolutely up to scratch before beginning that process. That is just what you can get from baseline testing. This is just your general biochemistry. This is just your liver function. This is just your nutritional status. There is so much information you can get from your basic blood tests. The next area that you want to get tested is your metabolic function. So I'm going to rattle off a few things that you need to get tested. One, your two-hour glucose tolerance test with insulin. Two, a lipid profile. Essentially, why we want to get the glucose tolerance test with insulin is because we actually want to see how the body functions when it's challenged with a particular amount of carbohydrates. Basically what I mean by that is you can go and get a general blood test, get your fasting glucose done, which is when you know, you're you just fasting overnight, going for that one test and you're done. And essentially what that is just looking for is the amount of glucose circulating in your bloodstream at that particular point in time, but it hasn't been challenged with sugar. We're not actually testing, hey, how does her body or his body respond when There's a whole heap of sugar that's been added into the system. I've picked up so many clients that have insulin resistance from doing a glucose tolerance test with insulin alongside it, even though they're fasting glucose and their HbA1c is within range. Basically, with a two-hour glucose tolerance test, we're asking the body, how can you handle 75 grams or more of pure glucose. How does the pancreas respond? Does the pancreas produce enough insulin or does the pancreas produce too much insulin because there's a level of insulin resistance within the cell? Without going down a rabbit hole of talking about insulin resistance, basically insulin is almost the gates that help to allow glucose to enter the cell. In acne, This is the basis of what can really drive sebum production within the skin. And if you don't know if you're insulin resistant or not, then you can go down this absolute rabbit hole for ages trying to perfect your diet to control or change your carbohydrate status to improve your skin, but it might not actually be the right type of dietary pattern for you. So the two-hour glucose tolerance test with insulin helps you identify if that is a potential driver for you. It means you're then going to be able to get a clearer understanding of what you need to do with your diet, and you can actually see if that's what's possibly driving any hormonal dysregulation within the skin. The next is your lipids. So when we're looking at cholesterol and triglycerides, essentially the key one is your triglycerides. If we can see the triglycerides sit above a particular number that we have within our optimal reference ranges, then that can show you that there is a level of insulin resistance and that the liver also needs a little bit of support as well. Basically triglycerides, they're not so much impacted by fats within the diet, they're actually impacted by either excess calories or excess calories that are coming from carbohydrates and there's a level of insulin resistance. So these two tests in combination with each other can really help us navigate if there is any metabolic dysfunction that's driving the acne. So then that's going to determine the type of diet you need, the type of supplements you might need, and also the length of treatment for you as well. Next, we have acne and hormone testing. Now, this is my favorite topic of all because this is where you can get so many answers and finally rule out once and for all if your hormones are actually causing your acne. Now, you don't need to get any fancy tests done. You don't need to get your own testing of your hormones or saliva testing. You can actually find out just plenty of answers through a standard blood test, which can be covered by your GP or you can pay out of pocket through private pathology labs. So first to start off with, there's no one blanket hormonal picture when it comes to acne. I've looked at hundreds of tests of individuals with acne, some with high testosterone, some with low testosterone, some with high estrogen, others with low estrogen, some with excellent progesterone production, and some with really low progesterone production. And this is really important because then this is going to drastically change your treatment plan. So the purpose of actually getting your hormones tested is so you can figure out the imbalances that exist and then create. To a it and figure out exactly why it's happening. Basically, our hormonal status is impacted by so many different things like our blood sugar, our inflammatory status, our nutritional status, our dietary composition. If we're overeating, undereating, our body weight, it can be impacted even from the lipopolysaccharides and endotoxins produced from within the gut. And of course, our liver function and so much more. So before your hormone test results are interpreted, it's always really important to consider exactly what is going on with your clinical picture and other tests as well, like your glucose tolerance test that I referred to before, because essentially the goal is to create the story, identify why the hormones are acting in that way and match this with the ideal diet and lifestyle that's going to suit the hormonal picture that you have and what is going to bring it back into balance. But first, we want to get the bulk of your hormones tested on the second or third day of your period. So this includes the hormones such as FSH and LH, which are called follicle stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone. We want to test estrogen, prolactin, and our androgen profile like DHEA, testosterone, androstenedione, and sex hormone binding globulin. Now, first, The first two hormones that I mentioned, FSH and LH, they're actually hormones that are made from the brain and their job is acting as signals to the ovaries to stimulate estrogen, testosterone, and progesterone production. Basically, FSH and LH are the master controllers of our ovarian hormone production. So when we're trying to control hormone production from the ovaries, we're actually often then prescribing therapeutics that work on the level of the pituitary, to then control what is happening in the ovaries. So the levels of FSH and LH can give us information about potential PCOS diagnosis, can show us your androgen status because everything works in feedback loops. It can show us about the potential stress response. It can show us about your caloric intake and so much more. Now, when it comes to your androgen profile, this includes your hormones like testosterone, androstenedione and DHEA. Basically, any elevations in these hormones would directly bind to the sebaceous glands within the skin and stimulate sebum production. But the reason why it's so important to get these tested is because you don't want to go and give all of these different herbals and all of these different nutritionals to decrease your androgens if you don't actually know if they're high in the first place. This is because both low androgens and high androgens can present as the same symptomology. By this, I mean hair loss, for example. Hair loss can be a condition of both high testosterone or low testosterone. Acne can be both high testosterone or low testosterone. Changes in your libido can be high testosterone or low testosterone. It really can vary. This is why you have to get the testing completed. Now, the conventional ranges for these are really varied. So we usually use a refined reference range when we're trying to interpret the results. I want to introduce you to a concept which is called end organ receptor sensitivity. Basically, what this means is every single individual will have a different level of sensitivity to the androgens. So basically, for example, your testosterone could sit at about 2.1 in your bloods, which is above the reference range. And that might not actually cause any havoc for you. You may not get any symptoms of testosterone excess like acne or dysregulation with your cycles at all. But then someone next to you could have a testosterone that sits at one2 which is technically within the conventional reference range, and that can cause absolute havoc to them because of their end organ receptor sensitivity. Basically, what that means is their skin cells have a heightened response to the amount and the effects of testosterone. Where you sit on this end organ receptor sensitivity scale can really vary but this is where dairy comes into the picture because dairy can exacerbate that end organ receptor sensitivity. So this is one of the reasons why we suggest to reduce dairy and see how you respond. Next, we need to consider your SHBG, which is sex hormone binding globulin. And basically it's a protein made in the liver and its levels will respond in relation to the amount of testosterone and estrogen that's being made. So it will either decrease or increase in relation to the rest of your hormone production. And there's so many other factors that can be driving it, but it helps us to get a better understanding of the story of the rest of your hormones. So the assessment of your SHBG is really crucial so then we can understand exactly the areas that we need to focus on with your estrogen or your testosterone. So in summary, so far, we need day two or day three hormones of FSH and LH, estrogen, prolactin, DHEA, testosterone, and androstenedione and your SHBG. On this note, androstenedione is a hormone that's a precursor to your testosterone. So sometimes testosterone is actually within range, but then we need to test your androstenedione because your androstenedione makes your testosterone. So often I can see androstenedione elevated, testosterone within range. And we might know that that person has a androgen dominant acne. So this is why it's really important to get the full picture of your androgens in your bloods. And next is your post ovulation testing. Now, when we ovulate, our estrogen skyrockets, and then it begins its decline during the luteal phase to then when we menstruate again. So the hormonal testing that you can get done post ovulation is about five to seven days after ovulation. And it gives us an idea of how well your body's actually able to detox that estrogen that's been made from your ovaries. But it also gives us an idea of your progesterone production. We absolutely need progesterone to be able to help with your premenstrual breakouts, to help with PMS and so on. So the five to seven days post-ovulation testing for your estrogen and progesterone will help us to assess the ratio, and then identify if there's that estrogen dominance or progesterone deficiency, which is another alternative term. But this can help us really identify whether more liver detoxification work might be needed to really support the nasty premenstrual breakouts that you're getting. Next up, we have the assessment of your stress response. Now, this is a pretty simple one. We often just get cortisol tested in the AM and it really helps us to identify exactly where you're sitting on that scale of your stress response. Whether we're dealing with more of an adrenal depletion picture or chronic activation of the stress response, the test really helps us to get an overall idea of exactly what is going on. But basically, cortisol, it's a stress hormone. It's made from your adrenal glands, which are these little glands that sit on top of your kidneys in response to stress basically they get the signal from the brain when there's any form of perceived threat but this form of perceived threat isn't just about worrying about your to-do list it can actually be elevated or dysregulated if there's blood sugar dysregulation going on if there's inflammation in the body or if there's prolonged periods of fasting if there's intense exercise so many things can aggravate and activate this stress response But how this impacts acne though is directly within the sebaceous gland. So basically when we're stressed, we get hormones made from the pituitary in the brain. They tell the adrenal glands to produce more cortisol and adrenaline and so on. And basically the same response is mimicked within the skin. And these hormones directly bind to the sebaceous gland and increase sebum production. So more stress, more activation of the pathways within the skin and within the brain that directly stimulate hormone production that binds to the sebaceous gland and increase sebum production to get more breakouts. But it's also really important to understand what's going on with your cortisol, because it's actually really important to get us out of bed in the morning. It's really important for reducing inflammation. So if we see low amounts of cortisol secretion, then it's actually showing us that your body is really struggling and it's pretty exhausted and tired. And of course, your skin isn't going to repair if it can't even make enough of the hormones that you need to get out of bed in the morning. But we could talk forever on adrenal response and ages on adrenal issues and how to support your adrenal response and cortisol regulation. But I'm going to save that for another podcast. But basically, we just want you to assess your cortisol, make sure if you're doing it, it's fasted, you haven't had any caffeine, you're well hydrated. And if we're thinking that stress is driving your breakouts, then we also want to look at those androgens that I mentioned before, such as DHEA and testosterone. Basically, both of them are made from the adrenals as well. Testosterone is made from both the adrenals and the ovaries, but DHEA is made from the adrenals. And we want to see these so we can actually get the full picture of exactly what is going on with your stress. If you have an elevation in your DHEA and you have an elevation in your testosterone, it's more than likely that this imbalance is also coming from your stress response. So you can try to tell us all you like that you're not stressed, but the tests do not lie. And finally, we have the gut. This is where we take things up a notch and we often get our clients to run stool panels with some of the biggest functional pathology labs from America. A stool panel can really help you actually understand the imbalances in your gut microbiome and answer the question of, is there a fungal overgrowth? Is there a parasite? Is there an increase in bacteria within the gut microbiome that might produce endotoxins that are contributing to systemic inflammation? Is it maybe not enough of the beneficial bacteria that actually control immunity within the skin and sebum production? Is it maybe potentially low secretory IgA within the gut that's then controlling the body's immune system defenses are there any issues with fat digestion vegetable fiber digestion protein digestion you're kind of getting the hint there's a lot of different areas that we can actually see within a stool test and all of these areas can significantly impact the function of the skin essentially we know the key drivers of what causes acne within the skin Acne is defined as an infection of the pilosebaceous unit, which means that it's driven by three main causes, a pH imbalance in the skin, potentially a change in the sebum production and quality, and also retention keratosis. Now, all of these areas can be impacted by the gut. The pH of the skin can be changed by the gut skin microbiome. The immunity within the skin to actually eradicate infections is controlled by what's going on within the gut. The inflammatory response within the skin is controlled by the ratio of the LPS in the gut. So there's so many things that can be controlled via this gut skin access. And if you've done a few of my courses and workshops, you'll know that the gut is the first thing to address in terms of the hierarchy of repair. Basically, for those that aren't familiar with this concept, the hierarchy of repair is the system that the body follows in terms of priority. So if there's something going on in the gut, then everything else is going to be pretty stagnated in terms of trying to provoke change. And basically, no other system is going to work to the greatest potential that it can unless the gut is sorted. Even if you think about it, if you eat a super heavy meal or you go out and you're probably, there's multiple days in a row that you're not eating the way you tend to, the first thing that you often feel is sluggish. You feel gross. Your skin can often present quite terribly. And this is because a lot of your energy and a lot of your resources have just been going towards making sure the gut can function properly. So if the gut's not working, then often blood sugar is an issue. Often hormones are an issue and then the skin is where it presents. So this is why the stool testing can be so important. But within the skin, we might actually see more gut-related acne present as acne that doesn't budge whilst you're on the pill. Remember that the pill controls acne to a particular extent because it's controlling the hormonal aspect. So you don't have the influence of testosterone or estrogen causing havoc in the sebaceous gland. So if you're still getting breakouts whilst you're on the pill, and also depending on what pill, because some can aggravate acne, if you're still getting breakouts whilst you're on the pill, then consider whether it is your gut that's flaring it up and your diet. You can also see more gut-related acne if it's acne that starts maybe after courses of antibiotics or food poisoning or infection, and we can then tend to see it present around the cheek, on the forehead, often around the mouth area, less so along the jawline or the chest or on the back. That's more of your kind of hormonal-related breakouts. But in summary, get a stool test done if you're thinking it's really gut-related to actually get a stool test done, you do need to see a naturopath or a nutritionist or an integrated doctor so it can be authorised through the functional pathology labs. Now there are other types of testing such as SIBO testing. This is we would probably do more so for cases where we're seeing combination of acne and perioral dermatitis or acne and rosacea or acne and eczema. Or in those cases of acne, when we can see that histamine might be a potential issue or there's lots of discomfort in the gut as well. I'm going to leave the SIBO testing because that's another rabbit hole, but we'll just start with that whole stool testing analysis. So in summary, we have your general blood chemistries, your liver function, nutritional status, blood sugar regulation, hormones, and gut. That is so much information that can give you an understanding of the function of your body. Because remember, acne is showing us that there's dysfunction somewhere amongst all the systems that communicate with each other, and we need to actually determine where this could be stemming from so you know where to direct your energy into. Now, these types of testing, they're really general in the sense that there's so many other things that can be covered, like using copper ratio, pyrils, H pylori, heavy metal testing, and so much more. But that type of testing is really going to vary person to person and based off your own individual history. So the next time that you're wondering about what's going on with your skin, why are you getting these breakouts? What are the causes? I want you to use the checklist from episode one in our acne series, then go through the list of testing with episode two and see where the gaps need to be filled. And if you need any clarification, always feel free to send us a DM on Instagram and we're more than happy to help. And for skin therapists that are listening in and want to understand how to get the best results with their clients, we have our advanced. Acne Training for Skin Therapists. It goes through all this information in so much more detail. So you have the knowledge to be able to educate your clients on the next steps they need to take to regain control over your skin. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we have some more goods coming for you next week in episode three of the acne series.